As a Papuan Australian woman, I acknowledge that I am a settler on this land that I live, work and create on. I acknowledge there are ongoing native title cases on this land today due to the impacts of colonisation and I want to pay my respects to the many Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples of this country and to their elders past, present and emerging. Hi listeners and welcome to the podcast series Stories of the 10th Asia Pacific Triennial. These podcasts are a sub-phase of the Australian Council of the Arts project Our Knowledge, Our Practice, Our Stories. As I mentioned in my last episode, for this mini-series, I speak with artists, curators and project support team for the Queensland Art Gallery, Gallery of Modern Arts, 10th Asia Pacific Triennial. Before we dive into the episode, if you haven't heard of APT as it is otherwise known, let me give you a bit of context. This installation, which is currently showcasing at Quagoma, is the 10th chapter in the gallery's exhibition series. The exhibition, which originally opened on the 4th of December in 2021, will continue until the 25th of April this year. We had a mammoth team working on APT10 with 69 projects by more than 150 emerging and established artists from more than 30 countries. And despite the logistical challenges presented by the global impact of COVID-19, artists, project support team, communities and all the many hands involved in the production of such a big show banded together and created something exceptional. Throughout this mini-series, you will learn about some of these challenges and the ways the team overcame these time and time again. So without further ado, I would like to introduce our first pair of curators for the series. On the show today, we have Abigail Bernal, Associate Curator of Asian and Pacific Art, and we also have have Samantha Litley, Curator of Australian Art. We explore their careers in this sector, some of the highlights of APT10, and we also delve into the artist projects they worked on and some of the lessons that are present for audiences to consider when visiting the exhibition. Let's dive into the episode now. Hi, I'm Wally. My name is Abby Bernal, and I'm working in the Asia-Pacific Department at um, Kragoma, um, and I've been um, I'm the Associate Curator of Asian Art. Um, yeah, so that's me, and we'll hand over to Sam. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm Wally. I'm Samantha Litley, and I work in the Australian Art Department at the Queensland Art Gallery, at Gallery of Modern Art. I've been there for almost a couple of years now, having been previously employed years ago um, when there was just one building, the Quag Building, yeah. Yeah, the same with me, actually. I, I was also here earlier on when there was the Quag building in the early 2000s. Um, so yeah. I think from about 2004 to 2009, I worked in the Asia-Pacific Department then um, and then took a, a long break and came back in 2014 um, and did some work on APTH um, before taking up a role in the International Department and um, then transferred to the back to the Asia-Pacific Department uh, quite recently, sort of mid last year. Um, so yeah, the other question I had was, um, how did you both enter this industry, and what kind of drew you to curating in this field? Yeah, so I, I studied art history. Um, I did a double major and honours at um, the University of Queensland, um, and then I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do after I finished uni and uh, started doing PhD, a PhD for a while. Um, but then I uh, decided I wanted to do something a bit more kind of practical and hands-on as well. So I contacted um, 
the Queensland Art Gallery then about um, coming in and doing some volunteer work. Uh, and I ended up working uh, with the, that's when I started with the Asia Pacific Department, working with Sahanya Raphael, who's now director of M Plus. Um, and yeah, I think that really sort of put me on the track of what I wanted to do because it was quite an exciting uh, time. I think it was just in the lead up to APT5. Um, and there was a lot more working with artists, acquiring works, um, much more. Um, there was a bit of bit of admin, but it was much less kind of academic and more hands-on, um, more sociable, but lots of writing as well. So that mix really drew me to it, um, as well as realising all the uh, great projects that come together, um, as well as solo exhibitions and yeah, so it's it's just a really interesting, varied field. And allows you to do a lot of different things. Yeah, so I I uh, also did art history. I actually studied at ANU in Canberra, the um, Australian National University. That's where I'm from, and uh, I did a degree there, and then I followed that up with a, a graduate diploma in cultural heritage management. There wasn't a huge amount of around in terms of those vocational courses back then. And uh, I was very lucky to get some work at that time in the art section of the Australian War Memorial. They have a big art collection and that was my first kind of curatorial job. And from there then I went into a whole range of other areas. So I worked in public programs at the National Gallery. I was a research assistant at the ANU for uh, an art historian called Joan Kerr who does lot, had done lots of really interesting work around women artists. Um, and then I went to, well, I came up to Brisbane in 2000, I think it was, and through contacts down south, I managed to get some work at the gallery and I became curator of Australian Art 1970 and worked on the historical part of this collection and then took some time out to have a baby and then also to, um, I worked for a while in creative writing and worked at the, at the Queensland Writers' Centre and I did some, so I took a slightly different direction for a while and then I went back to my profession in art history at UQ Art Museum and I worked there for about seven and a half years, then did my Masters in art history at AMU remotely, which worked out quite well. I got some um, recognised prior learning so it didn't take me the full, the full time. And then following that, I was very fortunate to secure work in uh, back at the gallery. And what was good about that was that my master's was in contemporary Australian art. I'd been working in contemporary art while I was at the University of Queensland. And so I gained a job here, which means I can work across historical and contemporary Australian art collections, which I find amazing. And that's how I got to work on APT. Wow, you both have... Um quite an extensive um, background, but also very diverse roles. So a bit of public programs, a bit of writing, research as well, which is really interesting. Um, so what makes an APT, um, the Asia Pacific Triennial, different to other exhibitions that might exist? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's the only um, um, biennial, triennial uh, program in the world that focuses on Asia and the Pacific. Um, and I guess it also has that very early history of having started back in the 1990s um, when there were only really a few Biennales that were quite established at that time. I think the, um, the Venice Biennale and Fukuoka. Um, yeah, so it was one of the very earliest ones um, and I think it started with a lot of uh, a sort of idealism in a way. I know a lot of the former curators and staff at the gallery really look back to that period as 
as one that was really sort of um, formative and um, influential um, in that way in, in building relationships with artists across the region um, and really managing to do quite diverse projects and but yeah that, that aspect of, of building relationships is something that I think is still continued these days and it's not just between curators and artists it's also um, across the institution with other staff and between artists as well really artists coming together and being able to share ideas in, in that way uh, I think um, with APT 10 that hasn't been enabled quite in the same way because we haven't been able to bring people um, but there's still been those kind of shared dialogues and I think that's partly what makes it so compelling um, for me um, and also the um, just the diversity of the art from the region is really um, fascinating. I, like I remember coming to the APT when I was still in, in school and um, being really blown away by it, even at that at that time, um, way before studying art history, just amazed at what what artists could make and what kind of things were in the show. And that's still that's that feeling still there today when I see the work. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think if I'm right, Doug Hall just decided that he wanted the gallery to look to the region around it rather than to Europe and America, and that you know, given our given our position in the world, it made great sense to sort of have those dialogues with with people around us. And um, you know, my experience is that I, this is actually my first APT because, of course, as I said previously, I was I was working with historical material. But what is so great about this is the chance to work with living artists and to work with artists who are really engaged with contemporary thought and just the experience of living in this world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I suppose that then brings me to the question of how many APTs have you both worked on? <laughs> well, I jumped in there a little bit, but yeah, so as I said, you know, I've worked previously with historical Australian art, but I do love the opportunity to work with living artists. In this case, I, you know, obviously I'm, um, I'm not as part of the APT team as such. I work in Australian art, but all the art, all the um, curators in Australian art do actually contribute mostly to the project. And I worked with two Australian-based artists, Vipu Srivalasa, who was originally from Thailand but now lives and works in Melbourne, and also with Fung Ngo, who was born in Australia and his parents are Vietnamese. So just the chance to work with those, um, those creative people in this way and to work on the projects that we developed for the show and then just to engage with colleagues as well has been just amazing. Yeah, so I've worked on, um, I'm a bit of a veteran in APTs, <laughs> um, although I think there are others who've been around longer. Um, so APT5, APT6, um, I came back to the gallery for APT8 and worked on the focus project on Kapurishka on the Indian Indigenous and Vernacular Art, and then APT9, and then most recently APT10. Um, so is that around five? I didn't add up as I was speaking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm currently working towards APT 11 <laughs> to think about it. So, um, so yeah, I've worked on a, on a fair few um, in different roles, I guess, um, really um, contributing in, in different ways towards it. Um, so earlier on, um, more in the background, kind of um, writing essays, contributing to projects rather than doing the travel and the research, which is a really exciting bit. Um, and so that probably really started with um, APT8, where I was much more engaged um, with 
with a particular project and then APT9 um, to when I began to, to travel um, to the Philippines. Um, and at that time, I was still with the international department. So I just um, had the, the time to really focus on one area rather than multiple areas. Um, so I'm hoping that's going to be broadening out in the future. Um, but in general, I have worked across the whole of the APTs in, in other ways. So I'm very familiar with it as a organizational kind of um, institutional um, product as well, um, as well as having that uh, experience of working with, with artists and bringing their projects to life along with other team members, um, like the exhibitions team and curatorial, um, often work with conservation and registration as well. So really, as you know, Wale, it's more of a, a team effort in many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what's good about it too from, from my point of view as well. I mean, if I didn't have the opportunity to work on the project, that'd be sort of a big part of the kind of conversations that happen through the gallery that I wouldn't be part of. But it has been really good just to sort of engage with colleagues and just the conversations that we've had in terms of presenting our artists and developing the projects and and then seeing them be, be realised one by one, that, you know, the, the presentations that we've had, the slideshows and the PowerPoints, that then they sort of come to life in the actual exhibition itself. Yeah, something else I forgot to mention that I do love as well is being able to work with artists who haven't really shown that much outside of their own country. Um, and I, I've done that for, for a few artists um, in, in this APT especially, um, but also APT8, and that's really fantastic just to bring them to a wider audience too, just for their sake as much as anything else so that they get that exposure. Yeah, what I've um what I've learned in the um, designing of APTs is that curators um, get to have somewhat of a say of what artists that they would like to work with and and why. And I wonder if both of you could share a little bit about um, maybe one or, or a couple of the artists that you've worked with and what really drew you and inspired you to want to work with them as artists and maybe some of the themes that their projects look into as well. I just jump in and just say that, you know, I've worked with just two artists on this show and um, both of those projects were really exciting for different reasons with Papu. We collaborated on a new commission. So in a way I acted as like a facilitator and a conduit for his ideas. And, you know, the APT is a very big platform and so it was a matter of encouraging him to be ambitious in terms of the scale of the work and also just in terms of his concepts and, and that kind of thing. So we worked with a designer in-house, Mel Gore, and she helped us realise a kind of shrine-like space uh, that the Pooh populated. He's a ceramicist, so he created these five secular deities that represent qualities that are important to him but also express that experience of living between cultures. And... Um, that was that was just amazing to sort of be there with him and to help him generate and transform his ideas into into the objects that we ended up with, which are really quite stunning. Um, and then Fung, it was probably just the sheer scale of the undertaking. So 
during lockdown he started making a whole series of diptychs, two panel paintings that he made in painted in colours that were chosen from a well-known paint manufacturer's oriental range. So the work in that sense talks about the way in which words like orientalism and oriental, which, you know, are offensive to, often offensive to people of colour, um, how they find their way into language and how they kind of are just enmeshed and sort of um, kind of this incidental racism that, that, that it occurs in our society. So he sent the diptychs out to 100 people in his professional and personal network and um, then he asked them to individualise the works with things that they felt spoke to their experiences of racism or colonialism and then the paintings actually belong to the collaborator. So the, the, the process for APT10 was to bring those 100 diptychs back together again, which um, with COVID was a little bit challenging not so much for me, but for Rebecca um, Johnson in registration. But we we all had a part to play in actually bringing those those works back together. They will be dispersed again at the end of the show. So really, it's sort of this one moment where they're all they're all in the one place, and it's a very commanding work physically, but also it's got that sort of conceptual depth. And we um, also developed a touchscreen program that meant that people could access the works that are hung very high or low. And um, yeah, it was just great. To sort of that, that's alone, but it's but it had all these components to it that made it challenging and also really engaging. Um, yeah, so for me, um, um, and most it's really hard to choose a single artist <laughs> again, like um, for Sam as well. I'm sure that's hard just to talk about one of the people that you've worked with, but um, Archioclos is probably someone that um, would make an interesting story to, to bring in here. So um, I met with him in Manila when I did APT research travel. Um, I'd kind of seen a little bit about his work um, before I left, just through um, the, the research that we do before we go. Um, and yeah, he just won a fairly prestigious prize in the Philippines at that time. And he happened to have work up when I was there, which was great to be able to see that um, because generally we go to the studios or, um, or or meet the artists at their dealer um, and look at work there, whatever way we can. Um, but I was able to see really large scale work by Archie when I was there because he works um, often with murals, um, so public murals in um, very large spaces. Uh, I think one of his murals was the largest one that's ever been done in Manila and that's a city that's full of, of murals everywhere um, and he has a really kind of um, kind of activist um, perspective uh, in, in that way he's very motivated and concerned by by um, human rights abuses um, particularly for sort of um, like small landholders itinerant workers and also in, in uh, indigenous people and the way they've been forced off their homelands um, or their, their ancestral lands um, or, or targeted by paramilitary um, groups um, and even by, by the Filipino president um, who's kind of suspicious of their involvement with, um, with communism or with um, some of the Muslim um, sectors there in, in, the, um, in the Philippines. Um, so he's... He's really um, known in the Philippines now for creating very large-scale pieces using um, using quite a limited palette um, 
and a lot of line work, simple colours um, that have a really legible, easy to read message. Um, so one of the one I mentioned that was the largest work in, in Manila was called um, Bakwit or Ebakuis, and it showed a young girl from an Indigenous community who'd been forced to leave uh, her home, just, uh, which is a, quite a common occurrence um, several times a year, was carrying her young brother on her back along with um, her school walks and um, um, wading through a, a shallow river in order to, to reach a point of safety where she could actually go and kind of try and continue her education um, and find somewhere uh, safe to live with him. Um, so he did that work. And then for APT 10, the initial plan was to bring him and get him to come and do a public mural outside and to have another mural that related to it in a different way inside the gallery. Um, so obviously we couldn't do that when the travel restrictions uh, came in and um, so I worked on an alternative plan with Archie, um, which gradually developed over months, I guess. Um, um, he'd made a previous work using rice sacks, which have a kind of political association. Um, they're the ones uh, sort of produced by the National Food Authority there, and they're often given out in moments of crisis um, and um, upheaval. And so, um, and they're also used on an everyday basis by people to kind of transport fruit and vegetables or, or construction items and so on. So they're, they're things that you see around all the time um, that are associated with, with people um, who don't have a lot of money, I guess, and need to make do with what with what they have. Um, and um, yeah, so Archie, in the end, he stitched together hundreds of those rice sacks um, to make this huge canvas um, unstretch, which we've um, used Velcro and magnets to pin to the wall. And he's um, he painted on that with as a large kind of procession of people who've been displaced from their own own lands in the Philippines, which is called Immigrants of Own Nation. That's so really one of his most ambitious um, and unusual works, I think, so far, particularly within a gallery space. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's something that that he was really pushed to make um, for, for APT in that way to think outside of the box because of COVID, but also because of the, the spaces and um, uh, that he was given and the, the relationships with the building and with the other artists in the exhibition. So that, that was a really rewarding process. And it was also the first time Archie had shown outside Philippines. So it um, would have been great to bring him if we could have. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, um, when we opened APT, I actually brought my um, grandparents the weekend after the opening, and I was really excited to take them to um, films and um, Archie's work. Those were, I thought my grandfather would love those after the time he'd spent um, overseas. Um, yeah, he was blown away by both of those works. He just... Even though there was lots of specific work to look at, he just he just wanted to sit there and, and look at the details in each of those works. They're um, they're beautiful, but they're also yeah they're beautiful, but they're also upsetting as well. Um, yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, I, I went through the artist's statements for Paul No's work, you know, when I was doing the editorial process and reading through 100 of them, you do feel very quite sad when you get to the end because there's this kind of recurrent story, all these recurring stories that um, that flow through the work. So, you know, visually it's, it's quite beautiful, as you said, and at the same time if you take the time to engage with the content, it actually does, it's quite affecting. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I suppose that, um, yeah, those stories go through APT. Um, from, what, from what you've worked on with APT, what do you think are some of the key lessons for audiences that might be coming through to take away from the artwork that they might be engaging with? The thing that comes to my mind, which is probably not necessarily on topic, but it's to do with the fact that it's such a it's such a big show and that you, you kind of do need to take your time I mean you can obviously just walk through and, and see things on a kind of fairly sort of surface level um, at the same time it's one of those shows that you kind of need to come back to because you know the content and the complexities of the ideas they really do warrant some time um, the videos for example or even just you know like with films work you know working through some of the the detail or what have you so I guess that, I mean, probably the same for a lot of exhibitions, just in terms of the kind of scale and the fact that it cu cuts across those two buildings, that it's actually shown in both spaces, that it does, it's kind of like a, a sort of a journey physically as well as conceptually. Yeah, I think um, another point of difference for, um, for APT in general too from uh, many other um, biennales is that it doesn't really start with a theme as such, um, and so a lot of the work is, is chosen without having a particular theme in mind, and it means that there are many different strands that run through it, and I, I know also people bring their own interpretations as well, um, but there are certain key strands, obviously, that curators uh, try to bring out. Um, I think um, one that, that seems to resonate a lot with people um, is that idea of community, um, and also um, this one, that concept of Indigenous futurism, that maybe we can look to Indigenous communities um, for a way out of our current impasse with the environmental issues um, and that sense of isolation brought about by, by the pandemic. Um, so I think those are definitely a, a couple of different things, but there's many, many more. So. Um, I think it's, as Sam said, it is really good just to spend time with different artists and see what, what speaks to you particularly, to come back and um, over and over again if you can. So what makes this APT different to others apart from the obvious, <laughs> the obvious COVID? What do you think makes it a little bit different to others that have happened in the past? Not a flashy show, this one. Um, sometimes there's been a focus on having a kind of hero image um, or a hero work that draws in the media. And um, this this show has many different points rather than one focus in, in that way. Um, it's much more of a subtle um, kind of um, beautiful show with many different messages. Um, so for me, I think that's that's different. And I think it's something that's been heading towards for, for a while in that way. Yeah, it's sort of, would you agree, Abby, it's kind of got an elegance to it or somehow 
that even though the works are so diverse in many ways, there's, there is a kind of coherence in some some sense. It's just in the way that the works are displayed. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, sh <clears throat> it shares with other APTs that, that focus on the region and also, you know, that there's a whole, there's a variety of approaches in terms of a focus on individual artists but also collectives, mm -hmm. and that gives you that sort of range and depth of experience that you get. Yeah, collectives and communities as well, isn't it? Particularly because we have the Uramat community yeah. and um, the, the Uramat work. And, yeah, yeah. Looking at that yesterday, that's that's it's quite incredible. And yeah. there's some experience. There's some works that are very experiential, and and that Uramat work with the the fire ceremony is one of those works where you can just sit and almost yeah. be like by a fireside and that kind of hypnotic experience that you have when you're staring into a fire and yet you're surrounded by people dancing and it's it's so immersive and, and quite quite special um you know on, on a much smaller scale with the poo's work we aimed for an, a level of immersion as well so both of us are interested in multi-sensory visitor experiences and so we wanted to create or add some some elements that you wouldn't ordinarily get so there's a sort of scent the room is infused with jasmine because we were aiming to evoke a Thai temple and jasmine flowers are offered at Thai temples. And so the thought was that that would be part of the experience that, that you walked into a space and you had a moment to reflect. And also there's a participatory element to that work where we invite visitors to make an offering of a paper flower to one of the deities that they that they most sort of relate to. And what's nice about that is that people are participating in the work and, and taking that opportunity. So I think that that's another thing that's great about it in that there's all these moments where you can actually immerse yourself or participate kind of in a, in a sort of more embodied way in the, in the artworks. Yes, there's lots of exciting um, installations to see, listeners. So please take take a trip down to Kogoma. Um, a couple of trips, take the family as well. It is a family-friendly exhibition for some of the installations. Um, the last question is more of a personal reflection for both of you. Um, what are you looking forward to in 2022? Anything exciting coming up? I, I, I'll jump in and just say that um, my project for the next for my next big project is a, a retrospective of senior Australian artist Exeter Medici and so that work will be shown in Goma in June 2023 so it's actually only 18 months away now so I'm at work at the moment refining the list of works and you know working on uh, locating artworks to loan uh, it's a big project and an exciting one in the sense that She's got a practice that spans about 40 years and so it's a real opportunity to look back and see uh, the contribution that she's made. And I think at this moment it is really still a very important thing to be investing in the work of women artists and uh, she's, not a, she's not a feminist artist, she's a feminist and she's a woman, but her work is very political and it's very engaged with the contemporary moment. So I'm very excited to be working with her on that and it's, again, that opportunity to work with a living artist and to be able to collaborate on what that show will look like. Yeah, that's very exciting, Sam. Um, I'm looking forward to working with my new team members um, who I've joined um, with last year, including Wiley as well. Um, and yeah, working more deeply with them, uh, starting to work on APT 11 and hopefully to think about travel more broadly across the region if that becomes possible. 
and yeah, a few other different projects that are emerging, but uh, still haven't really um, been publicly announced, so I probably can't talk about them here. But um, yeah, just looking forward to being um, part of this the Asia Pacific team and the and the next curatorium for APT eleven um, moving ahead. Yeah. We have to collaborate with other other curators again across Australian art and um, and uh, yeah Indigenous Australian art um, possibly international as well um, all of those those nice kind of connections looking forward to that yeah we should probably just say too that um, we don't just do exhibitions we do a whole range of other things as curators here at the gallery and one of the things that we get to do is work on acquisitions so we acquire works and so what's great about that is that we're building the collection for future generations so we have a regular meetings throughout throughout the year where we present works for um, for acquisition and we discuss them with colleagues and then once they're approved, we go through a whole process of writing up a document in support of the acquisition so that we can rationalise in terms of what we already have. Um, we we give lectures. We, we um, what else do we do, Abby? <laughs> we, um, yeah, we just engage with Write the public. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it's very, it's, it's, it's quite a, the, the exhibitions work that we do is, is sort of pretty central and then there's a whole lot of other things as well. And quite a lot of it is administrative, but what makes the job, I think, inspiring is that, that beyond the administration, there's this conceptual engagement that we get to involve ourselves in. Mm. Yeah, definitely. That, um, as you said, Sam, that the living artist is just something really um, unique about, about the role um, that, that we get to engage with and also that kind of hands-on research with artworks that are present um, that we can see and, um, and and feel and yeah just you, you get a different perspective I guess from um, an academic perspective which can be much more um, so the academic perspective is obviously much more in depth and has a different set of rigorous um, guidelines but um, ours we still share some of that um, alongside the administrative side but just being able to go and look at the artworks or Meet the artist is something that's really um, unique to the job. Yeah, and to make to make the, the work accessible, that's kind of we yes. we kind of stand between artists and our audiences. So it's that's our true. job to kind of bring those two together in conversation, um, and that's you know that's that's one of the greatest opportunities that I think you have is that you're you're actually doing something that has application that you that you're reaching out to people uh, through art and ideas and, and hopefully changing people's thinking and expanding thinking and that's thing as well yeah I always love looking at the um, social media accounts when people post pictures of their works in the APT for example and you can see yeah. how much they love them and are engaging with them so that, that is really nice <laughs> Yeah, I've always thought of the um, the role of a curator as not only a nuanced one, but also a bridge between the community and the collections and the institutions. Is there anything that you would like listeners to remember when going to APT? Anything, any last words you'd like to leave them with um, before we close off the episode today? Just to think about the connections between works, I think, is, is really nice. Like, like, to immerse yourself in the works, but then thinking about how they all speak to each other in different ways. Mm. 
and just enjoy enjoy it. I mean, there's lots to see and feel as if they can respond just physically and visually to the artworks and, and although there's interpretive text, you know, there's, there's so much to be sort of interested and engaged by that you can just respond to from a physical and visual point of view. Sending another thank you to Abby and Samantha for their participation in this episode. We hope that you enjoy the show and that you get a chance to go to the gallery and see these amazing projects for yourself. And thank you, listeners, for your patience in the production of this mini-series. I will see you in the next episode of Stories from the 10th Asia Pacific Triennial.